Oh, snap! The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, raw feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business. And we're friends like my friend, Dr. Judy Jasek. Well, we don't let friends feed kibble, even if it ticks them off. Don't try to convince me that kibble's good. I, I run into this. <laughs> this. I don't know if we talked about this. This might have been since the last time we, we talked because you were gone, but... Um, I, one week I had a couple people that would spend spent like 10 minutes of their consult time convincing, trying to convince me that their kibble was okay. How, and is, one they, even how said, is that? Oh, well, oh, this one, I don't remember the brand, but like, it was such a reputable company and their sourcing is so good. And in kibble? Yeah. And I said, there are no good kibbles, you know? So I'm just, you know, I, I've been saying for a long time, you get older and the filters get thinner. When it comes to kibble, mine's pretty much gone. It's long disintegrated. <laughs> there's no, there's no filter. And then there's this god awful. It's, I think it might be a newer brand of Royal Canin. It's another one. They're like hydrolyzed proteins, Ultimino or something. Because I'm hearing a lot of people on it, so it's like a new thing that the vets are pushing out. The first ingredient is cornstarch. Yummy. Like, and you read the ingredients, like there's no way this you know, this can be good. And, and, you know, I mean, if somebody tells me, well, they're too afraid to switch off of it, because that's what their vet recommended. And it's like, why are you even talking to me? Like, <laughs> I got nothing to say, like, the stuff we have isn't going to work, if you're going to feed those. And I believe that. And I, you know, my, my interest is in the health of the pets. I'm not like, doing this just because, you know, I, I want to, slam the kibble industry or something. I don't sell raw food. I mean, you sell raw food. I don't sell raw food. I'm right. not making any money promoting raw food. Right. I just want what's best for the pets. And I know that I cannot really help pets get healthy if they're eating a diet like that. So yeah, we redid our, are we a good fit video? And I pretty much said, if you're going to feed kibble, like don't, don't bother. I mean, if you want to switch, you know, for people that want to learn and that's great. I'm very happy to work with those people. But if you're set on, oh, my pet just needs, they just need that little something. Somebody told me the other day they were supplementing. They were supplementing with, I said, supplementing with kibble. Are we supplementing (laughs) the pocketbook? Are we supplementing the health? What do we just tell me so I can understand it? Because this doesn't make sense. And there was uh, another uh, new feeder that said, well, I'm, my dog's on a weight management program. And I said, and this dog was heavy. I said, well, what does this mean? And she said, well, we do half raw and half kibble. I said, well, weight management up or weight management <laughs> down? Because that's that's sort of the weight management up thing. We can't eat, yeah. you know, paleo and donuts. You know, right now I'm doing the 75 hard thing, right? Yeah. So that's been out since 2019, but uh, we've got a big group of us that are doing it. So I'm going back to paleo, right? Yeah. I've gotten, you know, I I need to do what the dogs do. And I remember back in 2011, 
uh, Rick sent me a picture the other day when I sang the national anthem for the New York Yankees and he sent me a picture and it was, I had been doing paleo, you know, for probably a year during that time. And I was, you know, I was 30 pounds less than I am now. And, um, but anyway, so I'm always amazed at the people who let's say do something like the paleo diet or hard 75, like we're doing right now. And you know, a month in that all the processed foods that you've been eating have caused you great inflammation in your body, mm-hmm. your joints, you, you've gotten used to hurting, I think, because you don't know how bad you felt, right? Until mm-hmm. you clear your body out. So I'm always amazed at the folks that do this type of a, a lifestyle change and don't relate that to their dogs. Right. There's, there's just no difference, guys. There's no difference. Right. Inflammation their, is inflammation. Right. It's their natural food. Yeah. I've been eating like keto, which is basically paleo, but I intentionally add a little extra fat in. I mean, we yeah. cook with lard and tallow. And I used to be like for years. And I think this is probably why I had a pretty miserable, like menopausal transition. And I think it was because it was a low fat. Well, you, you need to have, you know, healthy hormones and healthy endocrine system and healthy brain and sleep well, you need to have the fat that you need the nutrients that are in fats. Cholesterol is the, uh, the building blocks for your hormones. And if you don't have that stuff in your body, then you're not going to be healthy. Well, when I switched to keto, man, I dropped weight, which, you know, is always low fat because you got to maintain your weight. And I always struggled with my weight. I mean, I could keep it down, but I always had to work at, I didn't even think about it. Matter of fact, I got on the scale and I lost like eight pounds since we moved here. I'm like, why are my clothes so loose? Like, did I lose weight? Now we get a lot of exercise here. You know, it's just every day, you know, I'm back and forth to the chickens and I'm walking around with mix. You know, you're just doing a lot more. But when I got rid of the carbs and- yeah. And in and did the higher fat, and I don't count calories. I don't worry about it. I just don't eat the processed stuff, and I maintain my weight. And then here, I think because of the extra activity and everything, um, both both Chris and I, my husband and I, both lost weight. I'm like, I have to buy some new belts because my jeans are starting to fit. Need to eat some more fat. <laughs> and no. and I do. I put ghee on everything. I, That's I don't know awesome. how many hundreds, I eat hundreds of calories a day in fat, I'm sure, I, but I don't, I don't count it. I just focus on eating a certain way. And for anybody that feels like, you know, they can't move away from that. Once you do the transition is a little hard, but once you do like, I don't crave sugar. Cause I feel like crap. If I eat it, if I yeah. eat like, like I have a, have a treat. Sure. Like, you know, it's the holidays, but if I had one thing with sugar in it, I will feel miserable for the next day. And I know it. So I just don't even want it. So we've, you know, I, ba- I baked keto cookies for Christmas with monk fruit and um, sugar-free chocolate. You know, you could get all the stuff and they were good. The recipes have gotten better. So they're not dry and gross like some of those recipes used to be, but um, but they're, you know, pretty, pretty dang good. But it's it's the same for your pet and even a little bit is inflammatory, even like one greenie a day or pill pockets. That's that's one of my disdains in life. Pill pockets because, well, because they like them and that's an easy way to get their meds in. But do you know what's in those things? Like try some almond butter or 
or coconut oil or, you know, stick them in a piece of liver or something. How about feed raw and just put it in that? Or just put it in that. Good God, I could put anything in Max's food. He just like, if it's in his dish, he gobbles it down. He'd right. probably, he'd probably eat kibble if I put it in there too, because he would eat anything. But yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, I take Max to daycare and and um, the other day I was picking him up and we kind of walked through the little kennel area. And it always just makes me so sad because the dogs that are there boarding, you know, I see their bags of kibble by their mm. run. And <sighs> and uh, one of the doors was open and Max went right in there and there was a bowl of kibble down. Like I about threw my body. The owner's like, I ain't going to hurt him. Like, I don't want my dog eating kibble. I had one of our, one of our great uh, long-term customers contacted me and he said, Didi, do you have any suggestions for a diet for dogs with kidney issues? And I was like, mm-hmm. yes, I do. It, raw diet, exactly what you've been doing. And, you know, I said, what's, 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 you know, predicating this? What, what, why are you asking me this question? Well, I went to the vet and I said, why did you go to the vet? Oh, just to check up. And I said, Okay. And they did some blood work and he said the liver enzymes, one liver enzyme was high. And I said, well, which one was it? I said, you do know that bun and the creatinine is always going to be higher in raw fed dogs. And I said, what is the diet, you know, that your vet is suggesting? And they want him to go obviously on this Hills uh, kidney diet. Now I just... Yeah, I pulled that up, Dr. Jace, again, it made my heart hurt. Um, but, yeah. you know, first of all, it's it's hard. You have to you have to scroll over pictures on like Hills food or anything else to get the actual ingredients. When you click on an ingredient list, it doesn't come up. You have to go over to the pictures, okay, and roll over the image. But new ingredients, right? They put new ingredients in this stuff. Uh, they've got current and new ingredients. And I just don't see that there's uh, much better. So here's what they start out with. And remember, Dr. JC, we're talking about kidneys, right? Filtering out toxins. We've got these supposedly, you know, increased liver enzymes. Here's what they want they want this dog to eat. Brown rice, brewer's rice, pork fat, cracked, curled barley, and then we finally get into some protein chicken, egg product. We have no idea what that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, whole grain sorghum, corn gluten meal, chicken liver flavor, soybean oil, fish oil. And then we go into about, I'm going to look, 40 uh, synthetics. Mm-hmm. So I just don't understand why. A vet, okay, someone who is responsible for pet health is suggesting this type of food for a kidney problem. Because they're programmed to sell it. Mm-hmm. It's not education. I mean, vet school isn't education. It's not learning. It's it's programming where this is, okay, this is the stuff and these are the drugs you use and these are the foods that you sell. So they don't intentionally don't teach them anything about real nutrition, you know, like what, what's a dog's digestive tract, you know, best equipped to digest, you know, they're carnivores and all of this. It's, 
they're, they're just taught to sell foods. Why? Because the vet schools, their research is funded by these companies making the food. And it is that much of a racket. And for the life of me, though, I still don't know why more vets can't. I mean, I woke up out of that. I was trained that way. I don't know if I ever told you this, but I remember sitting in, I think we had one nutrition class. And I remember sitting in there and the teacher literally said, if there is a 1-800 number on the bag or some place you could call to ask a question, then it was a good food. That in vet school, that's how we were trained to evaluate a bag of food. Now they're still a kibble food, but that was our nutrition. Is that pathetic or what? Well, and you have to look at what they say, right? In On this bag, it says 100% satisfaction guarantee. This is what they say. At Hills, we are dedicated to making foods your pet will love. Not that your pet will gain health on, that your pet will love. And if you add enhancers, if you add all of this kind of stuff, the flavoring, I just read the ingredients, Right. Your dog's going to eat it. The majority of the time, they're going to eat it. And it gets really, really addictive, just like fast foods, right? Mm -hmm. We know that fast foods for humans are incredibly addictive because of what they put in it, right? The sugar, mm -hmm. the salt, all the stuff. So I had someone the other day, brand new, brand new, said, my dog won't touch raw. I said, well, maybe your dog has a high addiction you know, a high level of addiction. And I said, tell me, you know, what you were feeding. You have to understand that if your dog has been eating a lot of carbs, a lot of sugar, um, a lot of enhancers, sometimes the raw is going to be very foreign to them, right? Very foreign. But you have to look at it and say, do I want my child to eat crack or do I want them to eat protein? Which one? But I was I was talking to my my husband Chris after a call, and he said he said just that because like there's what people say, well, my dog likes the kibble, and that sometimes that's all they want to eat, and I totally agree because sugar is very addictive. He says, well, say if your son was addicted to heroin, would you let him do it because he liked it, you know, or your you know daughter was an alcoholic or something, would you let him? you know, continue just because, you know, she liked it. Sugar is more addictive than heroin in the body physiologically. That's why it's so hard for people to get off. And I agree completely. I think it's the same in dogs. And that's why I think you've got to fast them. Just, just let them get good and hungry because people freak out if their dog doesn't eat one meal. Like a lot of this, I think comes because it's one meal and they don't eat it. And then yeah. they feed them the kibble one meal. First time, don't eat the raw, eat the kibble. My dog does Because I asked those questions. How many days have you been trying to feed it? And have you stopped the kibble completely? So you have to stop it completely. And I see this big time in cats because cats really get addicted to those carbs. And, and people tend to leave, you know, little nibbles out because the cats like to nibble on it. It's like they will never eat raw if you don't completely pick up that that kibble and i think it's the same for dogs because they get hooked and you know your dogs would be fine if it doesn't eat for 24 hours so mm -hmm. just fast them and let them get good and hungry and i, I mean because probably 90 percent of people i talk to say oh my god my dog is just eating this raw like crazy so for the ones that don't they really not like it 
I, I agree with you. They're just, they're not doing, people aren't doing a clean, a clean enough transition or they're giving them, you know, some milk bones on the side or something like that. There's, there's yeah. more to the picture that we're not hearing about because this is a dog's natural food. And if, if they're really off of all the other crap, then they're going to eat it. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a little bit of a disconnect with our pet parents. Um, when there's other things mixed in, right? And and then a dog has diarrhea or it vomits or whatever. But I get the call. Not the kibble companies, right? Not Stella and Chewy's, not the ones that are, you know, 45% sugar. I was looking at one the other day and that they just weren't making the connection. And they said, well, we do mix in some Stella and Chewy's, right? And the dog was was having some diarrhea. And I said, well, here's the thing these ingredients you know and i i literally highlighted all the ingredients that we would not recommend and there were so many and if you look at still and chewies right um and they have this raw wrapped kibble right and i'm like that is just kibble guys and it not even taking into account how they skew the numbers on protein right? Which would automatically lower the number in the carbs. I said, even not taking that into account, this is 40% sugar. Mm -hmm. So if you're adding that in, let's do an experiment. Let's take it out. Okay. Totally take that out. Only feed the food. That's it. Feed the food, nothing else. Because if you think it's the food, then, then let's do at least some type of a control, right? Right. Only yeah. the food, not the supplements. And it happened to be pork. Now, some dogs don't do well on pork if they're damp dogs. That's a mm-hmm. whole other thing that you would want to contact Dr. Jasek about and let her take a look. But I don't think that you can make that judgment call until you've actually narrowed it down. So what I said was, why don't you do this? Take everything out. Take the pork out for right now. Refreeze it. It's fine. Don't worry. It's fine. Refreeze it. Hold on to it. Feed the other blends that you have. Bring Mm -hmm. that pork back in. Mm -hmm. Don't add anything to it. And let's have a look. Mm -hmm. Right? So, but, but you can't, you can't fudge it and say, I'm going to add this and this and this and this and this, and then, oh, it's the pork. And then you sentence your dog to a lifetime of my dog can't have anything but this. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I see that all the time when dogs are transitioning, there are proteins that maybe they prefer or just agrees with their constitution better for whatever reason. They can't always identify the reason, but if you just get them on the raw and just feed, maybe you're just rotating two proteins initially, but you get them on the raw and then the inflammation is going to come down and their digestion is going to get stronger. And then you can start to rotate in all of the, all of the other stuff, but if people just give up so, so quickly, they just one or two meals and boom, this isn't going to work. You know, not, not going to feed it. And you know, those people don't want, they're not, they're not committed. Like I want to work with people that are committed to really having an ultimately healthy or optimally, optimally healthy pet. Not, yeah, I want my pet to be healthy, but I want it to be convenient too. And not that I mean, feeding raw isn't 
it's not hard feeding your stuff. It's fun feed. Like it's not really that hard. They just have to think about it a little bit. And it's just still, you know, a little, um, a little more challenging than dumping the bag of, of kibble in the bowl. Yeah, I guess. Absolutely. All right. So I want to ask you this question about creatinine and, and first mm -hmm. of all, am I saying it right? Creatinine. Yeah. Creatinine. I'd say, I say creatinine, but yeah. creatinine. You know, all right. Tomato, tomato. Yeah. Potato, but, potato. Okay. Creatinine. <laughs> um, what is that level telling us on the blood values? What is the creatinine telling us? Well, it's, it's a substance that's cleared by the kidney. So when we, when we have, when we're looking at kidney values, so I always look at the BUN, which is blood urea, nitrogen, so that's the urea, the creatinine, and the um, phosphorus is another important one. So these are things that are cleared by the kidney. So when the kidneys are not functioning well, those values are, are going to go up. Um, and pretty consistently, those are probably the big three. The phosphorus usually comes up later, like the BUN and creatinine can be up for a while. And then the phosphorus may come up later. Um, but there are things that are being cleared by the kidneys. So it's a sign that maybe the kidneys are not working optimally. Now, we do know that when dogs that are raw fed, that those values might be up a little bit, not really the phosphorus, but you know, the BUN especially is the one I see. And creatinine might be more like high, high end of, of normal. Um, because the normal values from the lab are probably based on, on kibble fed dogs. I mean, these laboratory normals, you guys are just averages. They just take a whole bunch of dogs that they consider quote unquote healthy. And we don't know really how are they determining that? And they're probably laboratory animals that are kibble fed. And then they just test a whole bunch of them. And then they just do an average and that's the range. Well, maybe that's not your dog's, you know, mm -hmm. optimal value. Now we, we look for trends. So if I see a dog that's raw fed and these values are up a little bit, I see, and the dog's acting great. Everything else is fine. Um, your analysis is good. That's another one to look at because healthy kidneys, you know, concentrate the urine. So if you have very, very dilute urine, that can be another sign that maybe the kidneys aren't working well. But if if it's like because of the, the food and these values are just up a little bit, urine will still have a good um, concentration. So then just test them again in a few months. The dog's acting great. You know, um, you know, if your dog's in, in some kind of organ failure, they're going to be acting sick. But I see so many times perfectly healthy dogs diagnosed with stage two, stage three, stage four kidney disease, because these values are just up just a little bit. And why do they do that? Well, then they can sell these expensive prescription diets that aren't prescription anything. So we have to look at the pet. Maybe that slightly elevated value is normal for your dog on raw, but check for the trend. I mean, that's the key, you know, wait, maybe 90 days, three months, check it again. If it's staying there, even in, like in an older pet, I, you know, I don't get concerned about it. cats. Very common. You'll see these values go up, but they pop up a little. I'm talking teenagers, 15, 16, 17 years old. Yeah. They're going to be up a little bit. Maybe the BUN would normally be in the thirties and it's in the fifties. As long as it's not spiking, 
It's fine. It's an old cat. You know, like their kidneys aren't working the way they did when they were two. Right. So this level is the only one in this particular dog that's um, a little over 12 years old. Um, the the normal range, according to this vet's lab values, is 1.8 for the creatinine team. And uh, this one's coming in at 2.0. Okay, so it's not like it's astronomical, right? Tiny, tiny elevation. It's a tiny elevation. And that is the only thing in this 12-year-old dog's blood work that isn't normal. This looks like a doggone healthy dog to me. Um, but this is what we see quite often, Dr. Jasek, where they come in and scare the poor pet parents. They're like, your dog's in, you know, first stages of kidney failure. Mm-hmm. And, and we look at that and we're like, what? So they, they, you know, are suggesting that, and I don't know I, if, if they actually said, you know, you got to lower the protein levels. And so I, I said to the pet parent, would you have them clarify for you? Are they asking for lower protein or lower phosphorus? What is it that they're saying? Right. Um, because we hear this a lot. And so I don't know if there were any recent vaccines that could be causing some sort of, you know, toxicity in the, in the dog. Would you see a uh, bun or creatine, creatine, can I say creatine? I'm just going to say it the way I said. And (laughs) (laughs) would you see that, let's say that a dog uh, went in for an annual and they decided to go ahead and give the typical, you know, annual jabs. Would you see some of the blood work spike in that situation? Oh yeah, I think so. Because it can cause inflammation anywhere. I mean, that's the, what the side effect of vaccines fundamentally is it increases inflammation because you're, you're injecting all these toxic substances that the body then has to eliminate. And these toxic substances go all over the body and they inflame or they can inflame anywhere, but we see that show up in different organ systems because it it's like every individual even us humans you know you have your area of the body where stuff shows up mine's like my gut you know i get a little stressed or you know i got touchy digestion that's where inflammation shows up in my body if i'm not sleeping well you know i'll get a belly ache you know it's just where it shows up well it's different for every dog and some dogs you know they get diarrhea if their body's inflamed because that's where it shows up or they get itchy skin or ear infections, liver enzymes go up and it can affect um, the, the kidneys. I, I worked with a client last week who's had a very young dog and, and the consult was for skin disease, just like a little over a year old, had an enlarged prostate. I'm like, oh, that's unusual in a year old dog. And, but you know, the dog had been heavily vaccinated. I'm like, that's where the inflammation or one of the places this dog had horrible skin. Um, but that was one of the places it was showing up was also in the prostate. So can it show up anywhere? Sure. I mean, I think, it, and, and, and again, you just, you, you look at the pet and as I tell people, I don't treat diagnoses and I don't treat lab values. I treat the pet. How's the pet doing? So then monitor it. Like you don't have to do this knee jerk and completely change everything you're doing. Say, okay, let's 
look at the routine. Are we doing anything that could be causing inflammation, food, vaccines, pharmaceuticals? Let's eliminate all that. Let's make sure we're on a really good, clean diet and check the values again in two or three months and, and see what happens. And if that's the only value that's a little bit up, I can guarantee you that no dog goes into kidney failure with just one elevated value. They always have the BUN, creatinine, and the phosphorus. And ignore that damn SDMA. It's a newer test. And I see that go up in how they see dogs diagnosed with kidney failure with that SDMA being up. And even if the other values are normal. So I, it's, it's a newer, t- I mean, it's newer test. I've been practicing for 35 years. It's probably like 10 years old or something new to me, but I do not find that to be reliable with what's really going on with the pet. So I always stick with this old standbys, the BUN creatinine and, and the phosphorus. Mm-hmm. And so we have to look at the pet and I do not ever restrict phosphorus or do phosphate binders until we actually see the phosphorus elevated because if you have a normal phosphorus in the blood, doing a phosphate binder, it's not, it's not helping anything. And you could be really throwing off the nutrition, throwing off your, you know, calcium phosphorus um, ratios and things. If it's too high, which tells us, okay, the kidneys cannot eliminate it, then I might add in a binder, but that's usually you're getting like way, way end stage. You're getting to where, okay, those BUN and creatinine are significantly elevated and then that phosphorus goes up and then I'll add something in. So when people have these low level elevations and their vet like automatically puts them on a phosphate binder, like that could really be screwing up uh, their nutrition. And there's, there's no benefit. You're not helping the kidneys. You're really, I think, just screwing up their nutrition doing that. Yeah. And, and one of the things that um, still that narrative is out there, right? That, that high protein diets are bad for the kidneys. And again, that was done via rats. Rats aren't dogs. Um, They've also shown where you've, you've got to have a level of protein in order for the kidneys to function correctly. So as I read the ingredients, right, of the Hill's kidney diet, it makes no sense. There's no way that that is a better diet for a dog's kidneys than the diet that they were created to eat, right? So raw is the diet that dogs were created to eat. They were born to eat that. Man decided, well, we can make a lot of money if we create this other thing and we slap a a name on it that says prescription. Mm-hmm. And I believe right now there is a class action lawsuit that's going on that people are uh, rising up and saying, you have been misleading us in this arena with the dogs. I'm pretty sure that um, that that Brian was telling me about that and that Thixton is doing something along this line, that they want that changed, right? And mm-hmm. and they should have it changed. Yeah, because absolutely. Because Dr. Jason, if you looked at those ingredients, what is prescription about it? What is, you can only get corn gluten meal from your vet and should you get that from your, I mean, if you actually read the ingredients, you may as well just go to save yourself a bunch of money and go Go buy a bag of Purina because it isn't, 
it isn't any different. And, you know, that high protein level, if you're feeding corn and soybean, yeah, you probably do want to restrict the protein because that's crap. If it's species appropriate, then they need that protein for healthy pets. And the other thing I hear all the time is like, oh, it's all my pet eats is protein. Like there's this um, misnomer out there that meat and meat-based diet blends, like you saw, it's hundred percent protein. When no. my dog's a kitty food, we can't feed a hundred percent protein. That it's all protein is all my pet eats is protein. Where's the fiber? I hear that one all the time. Does my dog need fiber? Like, no, you know, it doesn't need fiber. Right. So we, we would encourage you to get a second opinion with Dr. Judy Jasek at ahavet.com. She can certainly look at your records and let you know whether you should be alarmed. Um, and I see this all the time I because all these pet parents want, right, is to keep their dogs healthy and happy and with them as long as possible. Mm -hmm. So I certainly get I certainly get that they get afraid because they're not trained in the bun and the creatine and the phosphorus and all this kind of stuff that you are looking at all the time. Certainly that, you know, um, I've learned from you and it scares them, right? So they're, they're easily swayed and why raw is so easily uh, indicted, <laughs> you know, as the culprit. I don't know. I don't know why it is when, you go to the zoo, you don't see the big cats or, you know, those animals eating kibble, guys. You see them eating real food. Why is that? Why, 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 why do they eat real food? And yet the majority of dogs out there are eating kibble. The other thing is um, these calories. So I, so I had someone say to me, I can't. I've got to keep my dog on the same amount of calories that they get from canned and kibble. Mm -hmm. And I said, you want to determine, however, you want to determine what calorie you want to feed. Do you want to feed the carb calories that's in the kibble and in the canned food? Is that what you want? To, you want to feed a high sugar diet with those calories? Or do you want protein and fat? And you have to make that distinction. Right. It, it doesn't matter. Like you don't count calories for yourself. You don't count calories for max. I have never counted calories, right? I'm going to look at what are the ratios? How much fat do we have in there? Again, fat doesn't scare you and I, especially when it's at that 10 to, you know, 14% uh, mm -hmm. that really just doesn't, you know, scare me in the dog's. You want to look at that, look at your dog's body and bada bing, bada boom. Right. You just start with the balance, with the ratio, and then you increase the amount. Like I, I can't do it because calories are not, you know, a thousand calories of carbs is way different than the thousand calories of protein and fat. It's very different mm -hmm. in, in your body. So it's, it's not the same. And that's where when I was younger, I did count calories, but you can eat a really unhealthy diet, just restricting your calories. But when I focused on what I eat and eating a healthy diet that agrees with my body, then you feel better. You feel more satiated. You're not craving food. You're not hungry all the time. Um, that's a, another interesting thing I see that, uh, or people will tell me when they switch to raw from kibble, 
their dogs don't have this like food urgency because when that blood sugar spikes up because of all those carbs and comes crashing down, they it's like an addict. They're desperate for food and the raw keeps their blood sugar more stable. So they're more satiated. They still enjoy eating, but they're not like, oh my God, I got to, I got to eat. I actually noticed that in Max when I first got him, because unfortunately the people that had him were feeding a kibble. They they were getting, he was getting other scraps and stuff on the farm, but they were eating kibble. And I put that food down and it was like, get your hands out of the way. I mean, I mean, he was just a 10 week old little puppy, but he like attacked it. And then after, I don't know, it took a few weeks, maybe three, four weeks. And I trained him to sit and wait and all that stuff. And now he's like, yeah, loves to eat, but it's not that urgency. Like, oh my God, like, where's my next meal coming from? Kind right. Of thing. Can you hear me typing when I'm doing that? No. Okay, good. I was answering. Uh, so I, one of the questions that I did ask this pet parent that had the um, elevated creatine was did your dog have vaccines prior to this blood test? Uh, this dog is 12 and had vaccines in February of uh, the earlier in the year. So I do want to let pet parents know there's no way that you can do a vaccine without there being some level of toxicity. Absolutely. It's, it's just not possible, guys. Um, if you really... Uh, want to do a deep dive, start taking a look at your ingredients in vaccines. And I went back, Dr. Jasek, and, and listened to Dr. Cowan when, when he was on the podcast. And there's a section in there where he says, there is no possible way that a human or a pet gets a health benefit from vaccines. None. He said, it, it, it's just impossible. And I, I understand the thinking that we have to do it. I understand that pet parents think it's healthy for their dogs and it's protecting them. But if we really go back and look at the history, not the narrative that we've been fed, the history of vaccines, the history of chickenpox, the history of polio, the actual uh, history of rabies. And then we also combine that with looking at the ingredient list. And then we combine that, Dr. Jasek, with the epidemic of cancer in itchy dogs. Maybe we might have a different thought about how you can put toxins in the body and create health. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm doing, I I'm working on this rabies presentation and um, so I've been doing a deep dive in the history of rabies and the, the narrative, there's no basis for this narrative that, you know, that a, that it's even a problem because that can be debunked because rabies started with this supposed, there were like mad dogs. So dogs that were kind of crazed, frothing at the mouth. Well, that can also be explained by dogs that were abused, not well cared for, malnourished, um, getting into toxicity. So it made them a little bit crazy. But the thing is, it was never proven. Pasteur would, would see somebody would get bitten by a quote unquote mad dog. And then the way he determined 
if that was rabies, they'd kill the dog, right? Mm-hmm. And then they would take like some saliva or blood or something and inject it into the brain of a rabbit. And if the rabbit got paralyzed, then it was rabies. Well, oh my goodness. You could inject saline into the brain of a rabbit and, you know, anything foreign into the brain of any animal could paralyze him. And then, and then his treatment was he would take that spinal cord from the rabbit that was injected, because supposedly that's now therapeutic, grind it up and inject it into the people that were bitten. And he was killing way, way more people. I mean, if the actual statistics of people that died just from the bites, because they there's actual um, accounts of where multiple people bitten by the same dog and the ones that got the treatment died and the ones that didn't were fine. And they never like looked at these dogs and said, maybe they're just in poor health and they're malnourished and tried to treat them better and see if, if their symptoms went away. They're just automatically killed because they were quote unquote mad. And that's where rabies started was this quote unquote mad. And then these is idiotic testing by Pasteur named the rabies virus. And you, know, you go on the CDC website and they got these pictures, you know, of supposed viruses, but they don't say where those came from. Who took the picture? How do they know that's the rabies? And they got all these diagrams and all this detailed explanation of how the rabies gets into the cells and it travels to the body and all this. How do they know that? Right. How do they know that? They're not in there with an itty bitty little microscope following it through the body. Nobody could know that. Nobody could. So the whole narrative is actually quite easy to debunk. And so I'm, I'm working on a PowerPoint and I'm just going to try to blast this information out there. Cause I want to, I really want to try to squash this ridiculous narrative that pets cannot get care without without getting um, updated on rabies. It's just ridiculous. I had a client tell me her vet told her that if she did not get her cat, I think I'm pretty sure it was a cat, rabies vaccinated, that the vaccine police were going to show up at her house and take her pet. No. I've I've never seen that happen. Not ever once. Even in the case of a dog bite, you usually can do a home quarantine and then the dog you know, you take the dog in and they're shown to not have signs of rabies. And then you'd probably be required to get a rabies. Like they don't come and take your dog or your cat. There's just, it's all made up or that, you know, vets are going to lose their license if they don't require you to get a vaccine. That's, it's all untrue. It's, it's all complete BS, you know, read the practice acts. There's, there's not even, even on the AVMA website, it says right on the AVMA website, vaccines administration should not be determined by the calendar. It sh- you should be evaluating the pet. So, you know, the vets, the AVMA, they get a lot of their guidance from their supposedly in their state boards. And they're saying that the vets are not supposed to be the vaccine police. So where did this narrative get started? Where did it get started? I, I have no idea, but it is so prevalent and so strong and all the clinics are doing it. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to break it. I don't know. We'll see. Might be the end of my, my uh, career as a licensed veterinarian, but that's all right. New careers are born every day out of of doing the right thing. They Mm -hmm. are. And Mm -hmm. I'm just, 
yeah, it it it's it's it, certainly we see right. So you see these pets who are doing great. No need to go get all these vaccines, right? Certainly, elderly dogs or the the senior dogs, they get these vaccines, right? And then all of a sudden, they've got these elevated, you know, enzymes. And you're and and there's no correlation there at all. It's like you're feeding a species appropriate diet, okay? Totally clean diet, but the vet is putting in a toxin because man, you're due putting in that toxin and oh my goodness, look at that. The levels are up. Well, we need to stop your dog from eating that clean food and yeah. put them on this uh, chemical soup that we have made and slapped a prescription, you know, brand on it. It's madness. It's it is total madness. It's total madness. Um, then it, it is, it is. Yeah. I used I, to tell people to go in for I me. Mean, people used to say, you know, should I go in for, you know, a checkup? Like, yeah, it might be a good idea to get your pet checked out every year. I'm like, I don't anymore because I know what's going to happen. They're going to be, first of all, they might be required to get a vaccine just to get in the door. Right. Cause it's, I mean, it's almost a hundred percent of people that I talk to cannot find a place to go to get their pet taken care of without getting a vaccine or they have to drive like hours away. It's, it's just ridiculous how prevalent that has become. So I now tell people, you know, if your pet's acting fine, you know, your pet, you know, um, sometimes we want to do blood work or want to do some other things, but if it means you got to get a vaccine, then don't do it. We'll just, you know, we'll just treat based on how you're how your pet is doing and monitor how your pet is doing and what it's the quality of life is. Well, and that's the thing. Dr. Cowan actually said this. You have to figure out how to say something different mm -hmm. to the vets when you go in. Basically, he said what we say. Don't be so forthright with the information that you know that there is an actual bias against, right? There's a total bias against holistic health, um, holistic supplements, um, clean food, no toxins going into a body. That is not their wheelhouse, guys. And if you expect them to come over on your side, I think you're going to be greatly disappointed and misled. So right. you have to you have to think about that before you go in. You want to ask the right questions. Number one, again, it all starts. The root of this is Dr. Jasek. If you cannot go in without getting the toxins put in your dog's body, then you have to decide: Do I really need to go in just to do a checkup? Can I look at my dog? Right, because I get it. Some people will say, well, what if my dog does have kidney disease? What if my dog does have liver disease? Here's what you do for those guys. You keep the body clean and you don't mm -hmm. put toxins in their body because that is not going to help. Right. They get sick because they're malnourished and they're toxic. If, you, if they're on a clean, you know, clean routine and a good diet and you're not poisoning them, they're, they're going to be healthy. So you really aren't going to have to worry about that. And if something happens and you do need to take them in, say your pet breaks a leg or something. Well, I say it's exactly what Dr. Cowan was saying. How do you look at your veterinarian? 
sadly, I would today say, don't, don't treat your vet as a trusted expert. Just see him as a tool. You need to know your pet and you need to know what keeps your pet healthy. Your dog needs an x-ray, then that's what you're going in there for. Lie if you have to. I mean, I can't believe I'm actually saying that these days, but I think it's that important to not be vaccinating. Just don't, or if you go into the ER, just say, you know, I, I'm, I'm not here to discuss vaccines. I'm, I have another bad idea with that. I just want to take care of my sick or injured pet if it's something serious. And sometimes you can, you know, pass it off that way. Um, you know, I lie about the diet. I mean, I can't believe I'm saying that, but I just have feel to. like I would do if I had to do that to get Max in, like if he needed something that I couldn't do, like I really felt like he hurt his leg and he needed an x-ray or something. I'd do whatever I had to, to get him in without giving him a vaccine without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, little lie isn't hurting anything. Well, look, it's all about keeping our pets as safe as possible, right? And keeping their bodies clean. And again, we've talked about this before. You have to know what you would do different. What would you do different if you got a certain diagnosis, right? If you are already, if you are already keeping their body clean, keeping the toxins out, having good water, getting them outside for exercise, what if what else would you do different? Right? What else would you do different? Right. Health is health is incredibly simple. It's proper nutrition and avoiding toxins. So we live in a very toxic world and we can't get away from all of them. So most all symptoms, if your pets, you know, already clean, like clean routine and good diet and everything, they probably need help detoxing. So yeah, then we do liver and kidney supports and milk thistle and dandelion. And, you know, you can even grow that stuff yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to be doing yeah. You know. All right. So bottom line, uh, Dr. Jasek, for this pet parent with the creatin, uh, we don't see this as a as a major issue. We certainly do not recommend a prescription substandard diet. Um, and if they want to work with you, that's super easy. All they have to do is go to ahavet.com, ahavet.com. Dr. Jasek can always look at uh, your dog's records. Um, any kind of information and give you a second opinion based on a holistic whole body view, not a, we're going to look at one value and, and make a major decision for your dog's health. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you're on the path, if you're on the path for health, you want to work with a vet who actually understands health first. Okay. How the body works how food works, and how other things can totally disrupt the body, even when it's sold as a preventative um, for other things. <laughs> how right. can I say that more right. cryptically than I did? Right. But, um, and, and not just and not just health, optimal health. Optimal like, health. Thank that's you. What I, want. Yeah. I don't want just like surviving because your pet could live on kibble, wouldn't live as long and would probably have lots of chronic illnesses and might die of cancer at age eight, but I want your pet thriving. So I want optimal health. So that right. means no kibble, not even a little bit and right. no vaccines and no pharmaceuticals or as few as, you know, as possible. I mean, it really, if you have your pet on this clean routine, like I was just saying, that's all they need. 
I mean, they, they don't, it's, it's health is so incredibly simple, but conventional medicine has gummed everything up in the interest of making money. And they make way more money keeping your pet sick than they do teaching you how to keep your pet healthy and knowledge is important and be really careful where you're getting your information from. There's these, you know, cyber bots out there. So you go on a Facebook forum, you don't know if that post is even from a human. I mean, this is the reality of what's going on out there. They're they're looking for information that they want to debunk and Facebook is highly, highly censored. So if there's a narrative in a group that they want to debunk, they literally, they send a bot in to put a post out saying that's, that's poisonous or that's bad or my dog died from that. I mean, that is actually happening on the internet and it's really scary. Um, so you have to be really careful about where you get your information. Yeah, that just came out in your Substack, which was great information. Um, and so, yeah, you want to, you want to, you want to sign up for Dr. Jasek's Substack. Great information um, that comes out, and she's going to give you things that maybe we don't get to on the podcast. Dr. Jasek, how do they sign up for your Substack? It is Judy Jasek DVM at, sorry, Dr. Judy Jasek DVM dot Substack dot com. <laughs> I you want to up. say that one more time? <laughs> <laughs> Probably a good idea. Judy Jasek, dvm.substack.com. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. All right. And you can work with Dr. Jasek at AHA, ahavet.com, ahavet.com. You can get over there and get scheduled to go in and work with her and her team. Uh, we will be having the Itchy Pet, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to have this mm-hmm. Itchy Pet uh, webinar coming up uh, very, very shortly. So we want you guys to all come in. Uh, If you know people that have an itchy pet, then you're going to come in. We're going to have this totally free for you coming in. Uh, Be a part of this community. Dr. JC is going to have handout for you. It's going to be great. So look forward to that. Also remember the cancer webinar is up on our site now, up on our site, part one, two, and three. You can download those. Um, This is going to tell you how you can avoid cancer, um, what you can do if your dog has already been diagnosed with cancer, what are the optimal diets, what are the optimal treatments. It's great information right there on our website at rawdogfoodandcompany.com. All right, Dr. Jasek, well, I look forward to 2024 with you saving as many pets as we can. And I can't wait until this rabies information comes out. I know this is a stickler for a lot of pet parents, Mm -hmm. but I also know that pet parents love their dogs and they want to do anything they can to keep them healthy. And so it's time that the real information came out and that somebody is willing to do that deep dive. So thank you for doing that. I can't wait to see it. I'm I'm, I'm excited about it because I think the only way it's going to change is if pet parents have the right information to push back because I've given up on the vet veterinary profession. I truly have. We need a new path. You're not, it's so indoctrinated and so captured by big pharma and by the, the food industry and everything. I don't see changing the vets unless you hit them in the pocketbook enough. And if they 30% of their clientele says, no, no, we're not doing this. It's, it just takes enough people to say, to make a stand and say, no, we're not doing this. 
and it will all go away. So that's my goal is to arm people with the information to take in there to challenge the narrative um, and maybe eventually even change the laws. That's that's a whole other topic. But my first goal is to change the narrative in the veterinary profession so at least pets can get in and get care. And then people can make the choice whether or not they they want to uh, they want to get the vaccine and i think it's very easy to debunk i mean i just have to i i'm already putting my slides together and um i just need to get it organized so that it you know makes sense and and it's you know a good quality presentation and um yeah i can't wait to get it out there it's it's going to be huge well and the other thing too is that if people have the courage to take a look at what dogs without that how they live right and so that's another aspect uh, that maybe you could bring in Dr. Jessica show that there aren't a whole there. I don't know how many people there are that have truly clean dogs. Right. But I guarantee you that that is a vastly low number, mm-hmm. but, but though those people know, right. Those people know they've already gone through the, Oh, I, I, the fear of my dog didn't catch anything. My dog hasn't, you know, died with cancer. They don't have itchy skin. They don't have all of these goopy ears. They don't have all of this stuff that we see. And that's the other aspect of it. You don't know if you've never been there. And so I'm always, I'm always curious again, why the people who have these really sick dogs don't believe those of us who have really healthy dogs. I don't understand that. Right. So I'm not in the business of harming pets. I mean, I'm doing this because I want pets to be healthy and I've seen these things through my 35 years of practice. So I truly believe that this is the best for pets. Cause I tell you, it'd be a heck of a lot easier to just go along with the narrative, you know, instead of constantly, you know, trying to buck the system and try to help people find workarounds, how they can, get their, get their pets in, get their pets care when they need it. But I know what keeps pets healthy and that's what I'm going to keep putting out there. Come on. 35 years is not long enough to be an expert. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> well, I ain't doing another 35. So <laughs> right. all right, everybody get over to ahabet.com. Get your dogs on a species appropriate diet. Get them off of the chemical soup that man has made. This is not good for them. Get over to rawdogfoodandcompany.com where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble, right, Dr. Jasek? Amen. Amen, sister. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.